Welcome to the Weight Loss Podcast, where we offer solutions to the obstacles you face when it comes to achieving your health and fitness goals. As a married couple who's lost a combined weight of 100 kilograms and 11 clothes sizes, our raw, real, and relatable stories will show you the path you must walk to achieve, and more importantly, maintain the results you know you can reach, because we know it works. So get ready to share the success and show the results with your hosts, Matt and Courtney. Hello and welcome back to the Weight Loss Podcast. My name is Courtney and sitting opposite me as always is Matt. Hello, welcome back indeed. Yes, season two. Colon. Season two. <laughs> We're in there. So yes, welcome Matt. This this episode is going to be big for you. Really? Yeah. It's very exciting. I'm Biggin? excited about it. Biggin? Yes. So as you've probably guessed from the title of the episode, this episode is all about diabetics and carbs and myths around diabetics. Mm. What can you eat? What can't you eat? Yes. So I'm really excited to deep dive straight in to yeah. this. Yeah, it'll be good. So Matt, getting straight into it, can you just tell us quickly what is the difference between type 1 and type 2 diabetes? Okay, do we want this in the academic sense or in the Matt translation? Uh, in the Matt translation, talking to Courtney sense. <laughs> okay, so type 1 diabetes is a condition you are born with. Yes. And you, you are with it. You're, like you, you're, you've got it. Mm. You've got it. Uh, type 2 is a lifestyle disease that you get from usually being fat and lazy. So type 2 being a lifestyle disease and you're not born with it mm -hmm. and you can then develop it at any time of life? Uh, yes. Yep. Okay. So I've seen people develop it at young age, um, even well into their middle ages and in my case, in my uh, mid-20s, Yeah. early to mid-20s. I think there is, of memory, there is a very, very, very small percentage of people that can be diagnosed late in life with type 1 diabetes, but that's like late in life, meaning like teens. Uh, but yeah, that, that that's is a very um, rare percentage. That is also correct. But in the context of this podcast, type 2 diabetes is going to be the focus. the focus here because that directly relates to where I've come from and also to the people that you and I have worked with. Mm. And for you listening, if you are listening to a show called The Weight Loss Podcast – there is probably a pretty good chance you either have been or are at risk of developing type 2 diabetes. Mm. Because for me personally, if you show me someone who is carrying a lot of unwanted weight and has a very uh, self-destructive lifestyle, you're also showing me someone who's a pre-diabetic. So they are really the risk factors, which is weight, excess weight being carried. A number of risk factors, and it will usually start with uh, being overweight, heavily overweight, uh, into obese, mm -hmm. and then you also then look at the lifestyle factors that clearly play into that. Okay, yep. So put it this way, I know from, from my experience, like you don't get grossly overweight eating vegetables and being active. Well, let's, let's dive in then to your experience, Matt, because I think that's going to give us a snapshot of what risk factors are involved in developing type 2 diabetes. Yes. So you did develop type 2 diabetes mm -hmm. 
Sure you, were did. D- you were diagnosed with type 2 diabetes? Officially diagnosed, yes. At w- what age? Oh, now I'm going back. Uh, 21. You're 21. So 20 years ago. <clears throat> yes. Just jab that one in. So. How, how about fuck you? <laughs> Hang on, I've just got a cup here of fuck you. Would you like some? <laughs> Anyway, so 20 years ago, you were diagnosed with type 2 diabetes. At what weight were you then? 180 kilograms. I was at my heftiest. 180 <laughs> kilograms. In, in pounds, that is roughly In, in pounds, double. about yes. 395 pounds or so, yeah. That's a big, big boy. And you're not a small unit, so, you know, <laughs> you're, what, six foot five... Six foot six. Six foot six. And built, but yeah, not a small unit. As you, not yeah, a small I, unit. I do, t- I do take up space. Carrying a lot of weight, so that that's big. So clothing size, you were seven XL on XL. average. Yeah, so pretty much had my own postcode. Yeah, yeah, it's really big. So can I, can I just just one thing? I'm not going to say big. I was just fat. Yeah. Okay. To me, to me, like I'm big now. Yeah. Because okay. I'm usually the largest person in the room because of the combination of height and the build. Yes. But back then, I wouldn't call myself big. You were, you were obese. I was fat. Yeah. I was the size of a house. Like, let's, let's, let's yeah. call a spade a spade here. I wasn't big. So you got to be that size, obviously, from your eating. Oh, among other things, but so yeah. So what was the lifestyle you led at 21 well, Before you got diagnosed with stop, type 2 diabetes. Stop me if this sounds familiar, but as a heavily overweight person, my lifestyle was poor. Mm. What a shock. You would never see that coming, would well, you? I don't think you got to 180 kilos living an active lifestyle. <laughs> no, it, it, it's, what you, it's what you would normally expect it to be. So mm. a lot of, lot of consistently poor food choices day in, day out, weeks, months, years, decades. Uh, alcohol, a lot of alcohol consumption. Once, once it was legal, once I was sort of like the legal drinking age, which, which is in Australia is eighteen. Yeah, it is. Uh, I got my money's worth, mm-hmm. and then you you combine that, and I use the term abuse because it is abuse. Okay, you're abusing your body, you're abusing your mind. With binge what goes drinking. Into it. Well, not well, I'm talking about not just binge drinking, the lifestyle. Yeah. That lifestyle is abusive to yourself, and then it's backed up with being sedentary. So I've said approximately eighty-five thousand times in the lifetime of this podcast that I do enjoy my video games, and that's never going to change. That's my that's my main hobby, but that's all I used to do mm. in between bouts of eating chips, hamburgers, pizza, soft drinks, pasta. Drinking the soft drink, the alcohol, alcohol etc. Yeah. So some people can sustain that type of lifestyle longer before they develop it. Mm. But really, if you have that type of a lifestyle, it's not if, it's when. Okay. Yeah. So for me, it was early. Yeah. But to be fair, I did a pretty good job yeah, of it, making it happen early because I was well off the deep end with okay. my lifestyle, out of control mm. is, the, is the term you'd use. So you're diagnosed with type 2 diabetes. 
So you, what, how did you not, like, how did you know, what were the signs for you that something was wrong that you went to the doctor to, to get checked? Good question. So at the time, I was pretty much at my peak of self-abuse, again, a term I'm comfortable using. And over a, a period of weeks, I started to feel a legitimate craving. And it's been one of the main times in my life I can fully identify with that term, uh, a craving for more and more soft drink. Mm. And by soft drink, I mean the usual suspects, Coke, Pepsi, etc. Yeah, all our, all our old family favourites. And at the time, I used to work in a major retail store sure and i had access to the cold room what was stored in the cold room all the soft drink that was served out up in the cafe right and so what i started to do once i once i sort of realized what was in there was just liter after liter after liter of this stuff and i just had this this urge to just go and have it so without telling anyone on my on my work shifts I would sneak down into the cold room and just skull right like half at the start was like a couple of mouthfuls yeah and then gradually over the course of a of a couple of weeks it got worse so I just wanted I would need more to sort of satiate me right so I got to the stage where I was putting down bottles at a time wow a liter a liter and a half two liters shit yeah and so i just kept wanting more and more and more and more and then i started to notice uh as this was going on that my actual vision was deteriorating so i've been diagnosed well not been diagnosed but i've had to wear prescription glasses for a long time now that's just part of part of my life yeah and that's fine but even then, taking that into account, my vision was getting even worse than that. So even wearing your glasses, you no, still couldn't see properly. Yeah, no, no, nothing helped. Uh, so what would happen was that my sort of visible range was getting more and more narrow. Mm. And I distinctly remember it really peaking at one stage because another thing I'm a massive fan of is I do love watching American football. Mm. And have for a very, 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 very long time. Yes. So as Courtney will attest to, on a, on a Monday, I'm usually easily found watching... Mondays in Australia, uh, sun, Sunday football. <laughs> yeah, in, in, in the US. So massive fan of the sport. But there was one particular time I was watching a game on a Monday and I had to move the couch right up on pretty much on top of the TV to be able to see what was actually going on mm. on the TV. And, it's, and that's where it's like, okay, this, this isn't normal. Mm. So my mum convinced me to go to the doctor. And the doctor asked, okay, what's, what's going on here? And obviously the doctor took a look at me. Yeah. And then I spoke about the symptoms of what I just, what I just mentioned now. And he hands me a cup. And he goes, do me a favor, I'll just go pee into this cup for me. Okay. So I pee into the cup and um, runs a test on it. He's like, yeah, we need to get you to the hospital. Because my blood sugar readings were about five times 
um, above what you will consider a safe limit. Five times above. Yeah, yeah. And you'd been living like that for weeks. Yeah. And so he's like, we've got to get you to the hospital. So go to the hospital and in hindsight now looking back at it, back at it, it's like they obviously could look at me, look at the symptoms and go, well, we know what's going on here because mm. I can do the same thing with people like that now myself. Mm. You can see what's coming. <coughs> Sorry. So the uh, the hospital ran ran some tests and it's like, yeah, you know, you're being, we're diagnosing you with type 2 diabetes. And I thought, oh, the world's ending. Yeah. And so they, you know, they shoved me on the scales uh, and just had the chat with me mm-hmm. in terms of what I've got, what has to happen from here on out in terms of, you know, going to the, to a, the, the time I was sent to a, uh, like a diabetes clinic sure. in the local area where they put together like a, a plan. So you know, what is what is the plan for a a young man who has been diagnosed with type two diabetes with my lifestyle? Because I was also asked at the time various lifestyle questions. Yeah, of course. Which no doubt to them didn't come as a huge surprise. Yes. Because I passed the eyeball test as someone who has this disease. Yes. So we need a treatment plan. Mm-hmm. How do we actually go from you being this grotesquely overweight? dude who's been diagnosed now with this condition to actually bringing this under control mm. so they pretty much said to me that okay so with your weight you've got to get this down mm-hmm. you've got to bring this under control because this disease can shorten your lifespan mm. and on top of that then i was prescribed a specific diabetes medication called metformin which uh if you're listening and you've got this yourself, you'll no doubt know what this medication is. Uh, at the time, for me, they were gigantic horse pills. Right. Okay. Uh, so, I was taking I was taking a couple of those at specific times during the day, in conjunction with then being required to take, measure, and record my blood sugar readings. Right. And that involved being given uh, the the kit. That has the all the little needles prick your finger. in there, so you're pricking your finger, and that was being done multiple times a day, um, starting with when you wake versus when you go to sleep, mm-hmm. and then more times from there. And I had to keep recording the readings. So it was explained to me at the time that the aim was to get my blood sugar readings on the on the monitor to come out at a range between the numbers three, if it's between three and under 10, like a single digit number in that range, you do all well. I was around about 32. Wow. Okay. At the time. You had a little bit of ways to go. Uh, well, that was when I was put in a hospital. It was like well yes. over the top. Uh, it didn't sustain it that thankfully because I probably wouldn't be here doing this podcast. Yeah. Uh, but that's when it was at its, at its peak. Uh, but at the time, uh, so my average sugar reading with what I was eating would have been between 18 and 20. Okay. Which, funny enough, came after I'd have like a packet of chips or a hamburger or something like that. Mm. But I had to keep, you had to keep pricking your finger. And after a while, 
anyone anyone who has had to do this will tell you that your fingers get conditioned yeah to this and the skin gets harder yes so i used to have to i used to just prick for example the my pinky finger on my left hand so i'm a right hander mm-hmm. like okay bang there it is away you go you do enough of that and the skin gets harder yes and the needle can't get through to draw blood so you then got to start doing different fingers yes and then those fingers get conditioned and the skin gets harder there you start doing your thumb yes and that hurts i bet that one hurts um, and honestly, that was a pain in the ass, but it had to, had to be done. But then that's where, because to be honest, even though that was a warning sign for me, like, hey, you're heavily overweight, you've got this lifestyle condition that's a, a result of what you've been doing in the last, you know, 20 plus years. If you don't fix this, it's going to shorten your lifespan. Do you think I listened? Nah. No. No. You know why I didn't listen? Because I wasn't ready to change. Mm. What a shock. Well, there's a difference, and we've always spoken about it. There's a difference between needing to change and wanting to change. And at the time, I needed to change, but I didn't want to change. Mm. So what I would start to do was I would start to game the system. (laughs) I started to realize ways I could influence a better blood sugar reading, right? So if, you, if you're a type 2 diabetic, all you have to do is go and have a bowl of pasta and then take your readings about 20 minutes later to see it go through the roof mm. or any type of junk or, or, or whatever, and it'll spike. However, if you eat very little for a while and just drink lots and lots and lots of water, you will influence a lower blood sugar reading for the time. So that's what I would do. I would start to do my blood sugar readings around when I knew I was in a fasted state. Mm. And that's very typical of a lot of things, isn't it? Like the hu- humans, the, the human brain is very adaptable to challenges. And <laughs> the, the thing is that this is what I've had conversations with, with people about different diets and things like that. And, it's the same thing. You you can do anything, but your brain, if you don't want to do it, if you just feel that you need to do it, you're not invested in it, you will figure out a way to get around it. Well, that's a discussion about goal setting, isn't I mean, it? it the, is. the, the, the worst type of goals are the ones you think you need to do. The best type of goals are the ones you truly want to do. Yes. And we all, that's why we will speak a lot about want versus need. Mm. To me, as I've learned just through experience, the word need in terms of goals to me is a red flag. Yes. Because we all know what we need. And honestly, I don't care what people need. What do you want? Yes. So at the time, I was a classic example of need versus want. And they didn't match. And I think that that's the other misconception. People think just because you need to do something that you would automatically want to do it. And it doesn't, it doesn't work that way. So you, no. you, you were in a situation where it's a very, very serious medical condition and that still didn't snap you into wanting to do it straight away. No. No. When you don't want to do it, nothing, you can't force yourself. No. And to me, you could even say, well, if you've got this disease that could potentially shorten your lifespan, isn't that pretty good blackmail? No. No. 
until you want to do it, nothing will make you do it. No. So I had that and started to, to, to gain the system to influence a better, uh, a better blood sugar reading, but nothing actually, my habits didn't change. Mm. And they didn't change for some time. Yeah. Well, that's, I think next, so that's really the diabetic story of this episode. Well, that's, that's the beginning. That's the beginning of it. So the next it's, part. It's not that way these days. The next, no. So the next part of the episode we wanted to touch on was the carbs versus the diabetics part. So this is where we start wanting to go into the myths around type 2 diabetes because, mm-hmm. Matt, I think over your 20 years journey of dealing with this, you've heard some doozies <laughs> of some myths around misconceptions of, yes. of type 2 diabetes. And even, even what I thought myself. Yeah. Even yeah. things that you've realised over time, and, mm-hmm. and myself as well, I have to say, there's been some myths that I, I sort of bought into that that have turned out to be false. So these a couple of these, this is what we want to sort of really get into now. So the, the biggest myths around type 2 diabetes, I think one of them has been the term reversing mm-hmm. type 2 diabetes. So, Matt, you will often talk about how you've controlled your type 2 diabetes Mm -hmm. and we've tried I think to get away from using the term reversing but it is something that is just a phrase that's widely used when it comes to type 2 diabetes. It is. Reversing is indeed a term widely used because it doesn't require explaining Mm. but it isn't quite accurate. No. Once you've got it, you've got it. There is no cure. Basically, I, I no am, certain forever cure. I am a type, like I'm a diabetic, mm. straight up. Mm. But I'm a very well controlled diabetic. Diabetic. Mm. So when people say, and I've done this in the past, I've reversed it, you say it because you don't need to explain it. Mm. But in hindsight, it probably is worth explaining. So you don't reverse it, but you can control it. And you can control it to the point where it doesn't look like you have it most of the time. Now, there's things I'll talk about now that we'll get into yes. where there are signs that I'll know I've still got it, Yes, which I'm sure you'll, you'll get me to talk about. But for the most part, here's the easiest ways I know it's almost a non-factor. I don't need to take blood sugar readings anymore. And I've been off medication. This is the big one. I've been off diabetes medication now for about 12 years. Mm. And to be honest, that was one of the best days of my life. Mm. Because as Courtney will attest, I'm not a massive fan of being loaded up on medication no. at the best of times. Uh, I'd, rather, I'd rather try and see if I can work my way through without relying on medication, so being told by my GP at the time, it looks like you haven't got even got this anymore. Keep doing what you're doing and get off the medication. Like that is a highlight day in the life of me, mm. quite honestly. But that being said, it's un- it's fully under control mm. if I sustain what I've been doing. Yes. So if I decide to go off the deep end and just shit the bed <clears throat> yeah, and go back to my old ways, guess what's coming back? The medication. 
it's all coming back pretty yeah. hard. As are as are the the, the the side effects and the the negatives that come with the condition. Yeah. So that is one of the biggest myths: is reversing versus controlling. You ain't going to reverse it. You can't. But you can control it to the point where it looks like you don't have, have it. it. Yes. So yes. that's where like people that know me now that didn't know me then and if they understand this disease and I tell them I've got it they're like how the fuck do you have that yeah well let me tell you a story yeah yeah to l- learning for all of us and I, I yeah. got sucked into that at the beginning as well when I first met Matt where I thought oh he's reversed it mm. and it wasn't until he started he doesn't get a reaction very often, but every so often he would get a reaction, and I would, and it's a reminder of, oh yeah, that's right. There's still limitations because mm. it is still there yep. that needs to be monitored closely. Well, there's certain there's certain things even now where if I consume certain types of food, mm. my body lets me know I'm still a type two diabetic very quickly. Yeah, so you get reactions, physical reactions, yep. headaches. Um, the, the first, the, well, right now, I'll give you an easy, an easy example. I want to confess, I really love ice cream. Yes. Always have, yes. always will. So even though I've done a lot of changing in my life to this point, there's certain tastes that have come along for the ride, and yes. that's one of them. High-quality gelato, like, sign me up. Always, yes. But... <laughs> there's always a but. So every now and then, Courtney and I will go out together. We might just decide, you know what? Fuck it. It's ice cream day. Date day. <laughs> so we might we might partake ourselves a nice bit of a treat and have some high-quality gelato because that's just our thing together. Yes. Now, as much as I would like to just go and have all the scoops possible, I can't because after... A good well, now the way it is now, um, up, even up to one scoop, I can tell, mm. and it's not so much that a headache. It's, I can taste it. Mm. I can taste the uh, the increase in blood sugar in my saliva in my mouth. Mm. After that, if I continue to go overboard, if or if I was to go overboard, I'm sorry, I'll start to get worse effects like headaches, leading to potential migraine. I've got to go to sleep. I can't function anymore. It's almost like you shut down. Mm. You know, so there's there's still signs there. So that can come from uh, well, any anything carby, which is going to lead into what we're talking about here. So if I was to randomly have a bowl of pasta, hot chips, ice cream, soft drink, alcohol, I'll know within... 30 seconds. Well, let's talk about that now then. So sugar and carbs. Yep. Every time someone says something about being a diabetic, they say sugar and carbs, that don't have sugar and carbs. Well, this is the thing. Generally speaking, that is almost accurate. Yeah. But the biggest thing that I've learned, and it's then been confirmed with my studies and qualifications with what I do for a living, it's more so about the timing. Okay. So let's let's use an example of, say, brown rice. Carb. 
a carb, mm-hmm. a very good carb, but a starchy carb nonetheless. Nonetheless, mm-hmm. a high energy carb. If I were to have some brown rice right now, mm. sitting here in our studio recording together, I'll know about it in five minutes. Mm. I'll feel it. However, if I were to have that same serving of brown rice, having just stepped back in the house after hitting a hard gym session, I won't know the difference. Yeah, very interesting. Why? Why is that the case? Because the intense training creates the environment internally where your body uses the nutrients and uses this type of food the way it should be used. Mm. This is the thing. It's not so much that things like carbs and sugar are the enemy with this. It's the fact that so often diabetics and even overweight non-diabetics have it at the wrong time. Mm. They, they, they're not using it the way it's meant to be used. Right. So these, these high-energy carbohydrates that we have, like I love potato, I love rice, um, I do love bread. My body doesn't love bread so much, no. but my taste buds sure do. Love bread. Yep. If I'm, really any of us really, but if I'm a diabetic and I'm consuming them when I'm not training, my blood sugar reading goes off the charts. Mm. But here's the thing. If I'm consuming them after I've done an intense training session, you get this spike in your blood sugar, but then guess what happens? It drops right off. Mm. Why would it do that? Why would it do that? Because your body's absorbed what you've given it the way it should be. Yeah, it was able to take it in. So the biggest thing as a diabetic and or an overweight person isn't so much... I mean, there, there are influences on what you're having, but when you're having it yeah. is just as big a deal. So I've spoken to plenty of type 2 diabetics and I've interacted with a lot because I'm in a couple of um, diabetic support groups mm-hmm. on Facebook because, you know, you've got to hang out with your peeps. Represent. <laughs> yeah, represent. But there is a general fear, <clears throat> excuse me, of carbohydrates, sugar, and fruit. Uh, because of the natural sugar content? Uh-huh, yeah. Right, okay. Yeah, so, oh, you shouldn't be having that as a diabetic. No, you shouldn't be having that. Well, actually, you can. You're probably just having it at the wrong time. Okay. So even fruit would come into your your timing selection? <sighs> For me personally, it doesn't because to get a response from fruit, I would have to have bulk yeah. amounts of fruit. Yeah. Like I'm not going to go and eat two, kilo, kilos yeah. of, two kilos of green apples, no. as much as I love apples. No. Or I'm not going to go and have a kilo and a half of carrots. It's probably then more so the juice fruit juice Ooh. that you would have to be careful of. I'm very glad you mentioned that. Because you couldn't sit down and eat eight oranges in a one session. But you sure can drink it. But you sure can drink eight oranges very easily and quickly. That is a fantastic point. Yeah. I'm glad you brought that up. Yes, juicing juice is definitely something to watch out for uh, as a diabetic. But again, timing. So... Sitting here recording with Courtney right now, I'm not going to go and down half a litre of orange juice because I'll know about it within 30 seconds. But if I've just walked off the gym floor, having done a heavy leg session in the, in the gym, for example, 
that orange juice is going to get put to good use mm. because your body's going to make use of that fuel, that rapid absorption, and do with it what it's meant to do with it and put it where it's got to go. That's where you wouldn't feel the same effects. Not even close. So what would happen then if you live the lifestyle that you lead now mm. and you still were scared of having sugar and carbs so you didn't have them? So okay, you're I, I doing, you're yeah, you're doing, doing the exercise you're doing now and take out that timing, what happens if you still see sugar and carbs as the enemy and you didn't have them in your lifestyle at all? I'd feel like shit. Yeah, okay. Because whether we like it or not, um, keto fans probably tune out right now. Mm. Carbohydrates is the primary fuel source of the human body and it fuels intense exercise. Like, if you don't like it, that's fine. You're welcome to argue against reality. But that's just the fucking way it works. Mm. Like I, I didn't, I didn't decide this. I was born this way. Mm. All right. So I would perform like shit in the gym. My energy would plummet. Mm. I would feel like shit out of the gym. Mm. So recovery would be impacted. I wouldn't train the way I train. And if you can't train with effective intensity, you can't stimulate the change you actually want to get. Yeah, the change in, so in your body and your muscle. The, the intense training stimulates change that we want so you know more muscle less fat mm-hmm. what fuels the intense training it ain't good intentions it isn't also actually the exercise it's the fuel mm-hmm. exactly yep so if i if i did what i did now and took away these these carbs at certain times i'd i'd run like junk yeah okay yeah so that's where sugar and carbs being the enemy is only the enemy if you're not adding in Selection and timing. It, they, they have to go hand in hand. So Very much so. Sugar and carbs, technically, yes, they are the enemy, but there's a massive but. If you have proper selection and timing, then they're not the enemy. They're your friend. They're your friend, and they're actually going to help you balance out your lifestyle. Or help you lose weight, honestly. Help you lose in, weight. In, in the theme of this podcast. Which yeah. then helps you control the very thing that's making you think that they are the enemy. Yep. Yet the funny thing is, if I were to have if I were to have those things I have now, but without the training, it would go the other way. Correct. So it has to go hand in hand. And that's where, I guess, you talk about controlling type 2 diabetes as a full lifestyle solution. Well, can I... There's a, there's a couple of things that, that I've discovered and I've learned just through what I've been educated with mm. that are a, di- a type 2 diabetic's best friends. Perfect. All right. Those things are as follows. One, weight training. Mm-hmm. Two, timing of carbohydrates. Yeah. Those are your two best friends in terms of taking a disease you've been diagnosed with and bringing it under control to the stage where people don't think you have it. Mm. It's weights and it's carb selection and timing. And good carb selection and timing, I'm assuming, too. Because there's a difference between quality of carbohydrate. Oh, for sure. They're, they're, not, they're not all the same. So still as, you know, leading a, a, a balanced lifestyle that we lead, that you you still put a lot of time and effort in thinking about the type of carbohydrate that you consume. Yeah, you have to. Mm. You have to. Because not, not all fuel sources are the same. No. And definitely not all carbohydrates are the same. So... There is there is a difference in in quality as a as a fuel source between say a couple of slices of white bread 
and half a nutritional cup of cooked quinoa. Yeah, and that needs to be factored in. Yeah, they're not all the same. They're not and, all the same. And so I am strategic with that in terms of, well, if I'm going to put these fuel sources into my body, I want to treat it the way it should be treated and give it the best, mm. the best quality possible. Mm. And as I've, as my body is adjusted over time to higher quality fuel sources, it then lets me know when I'm putting in less quality fuel sources. Yeah. So I just want to really clarify here that just because I've got my timing down pat and know how to make this stuff work for me, I don't use that as a green light to go, oh, well, I've just gone to the gym. Give me two kilos of chips. And then a bucket of ice cream. And then a bucket of ice cream and a chicken parmigiana. Yeah. Though I do love chicken parmigiana. Yes. But that's, that's, that, that's not going to work that way. I still have to be mindful. But then again, you know what? It's not just me. No. It's all of us. Well, that's the biggest thing as well. So eating as a type 2 diabetic is not that different to eating as someone who is overweight and wanting right. to get in shape. I'm going to put on my coach hat. So now I'm speaking as a person who does this for a living now. Yes. Here's the thing, right? Here's how I approach it. If you treat someone who is overweight but not a type 2 diabetic, you treat them as a type 2 diabetic, they'll lose weight. Yes. And it's the other way around. If you treat someone who is a type 2 diabetic as an overweight person in terms of training, carb timing and selections, it's the same thing. Mm. It's the same thing. Mm. So the same, the same sort of guidelines apply whether you're overweight with the disease or without. Yeah. Because realistically, as an overweight person, you could still make the claim that a lot of excess carb and a lot of excess sugar is still your enemy. Well, it's not a claim, it's a fact. Yes. Right? So the thing is, I, I look at the, the root of the problem are the habits that get you to the shape that you're in. Mm. Once you get there, you then get the symptoms. Mm. So the symptoms can be as simple as, oh, well, I'm overweight. That's a symptom of your habits. Mm. Right. Another symptom can be I've got no energy or I have the 3 p.m. crash every day. Mm. Another symptom could be I can't sleep very well. I have sleep-related conditions. Another symptom can be I've got type 2 diabetes. Mm. That's just an extreme symptom mm. of the problem. So if you if you treat these things in similar ways in terms of, like I said, training, carb selection, carb timing, you're going to get the same outcome, which is a bloody good one. Mm. So when I, when I work with people, whether they're type 2 diabetic or not, you treat them the same, they're going to feel better. Yeah. Yeah. And that, and that goes for, as you said, timing and selection of food is crucial. It is, and especially the discussion of carbohydrates yeah. and sugar. Mm. They are not the enemy if you know how to use them in your favour. Yeah. And there's always going to be certain um, choices that you have to make. And there's going to be sacrifices that you have to make in terms of what ideally you'd love to eat and what is going to be the best for you to eat. And well, I think that that goes, I don't have type 2 diabetes. Mm. I was overweight, mm. 
and I made those choices. So I couldn't even sit here and say, oh, yeah, I can just eat as much, you know, sugary stuff as I want as long as I do it based around my exercise, I'm sweet. Trade-offs don't work like that. You can't you can't outrun the bad diet. No. As you and I can even both attest to. Exercise is not a means to do that. No, it's not. Exercise is a facilitator to help you get into the best shape of your life. But ultimately, it comes down to the food. And I think that there's a misconception there where it's like, oh, well, I've got two type 2 diabetes, so it's going to make me make these choices. Even if you didn't have type 2 diabetes, you have to make these choices if you want to, if you really want to get into better shape. Well, the thing is, even when I was diagnosed and was given some pretty blunt warnings about what this could do to my life, it didn't make me do anything. No. Not until I wanted to. No. So, yeah, I mean, and I I think that that goes for, it goes for, as you said, just having someone who's overweight, not even a type 2 diabetic, but that the need versus want. Oh, yeah. if you if you don't want to do anything about it, you won't. No. There's, there's no amount of money you can spend or people that can motivate you well, there's slash no, babysit There's no you. amount of exercise you can do or no. there's no amount of nutritional selection and timing you can do because ultimately you're going to sabotage it and you're going to just – if you're not willing to make the sacrifice, there's no such thing as getting in shape, being still allowed to eat whatever you want. There's no, there's no easy way out. So there's, there's going to be some sacrifice at some point. There has to be. I, I love, someone used a phrase with me one time a long time ago, that there is a price that must be paid to sit at the table. Yeah. So if you want to sit at the table of success, there are certain things you must do to get it. Mm. And that's where, and that's a different podcast altogether, but there can often be a sense of entitlement that creeps in to this. Mm. And to be honest, I had that same, my own version of entitlement when I was younger, when I actually decided to do something about this, well, try is the term I'll use, I started to to exercise Mm. and thought that would be enough. So I'm eating all this junk and I'm taking my medication and I'm pricking my fingers every day, but I'm now also exercising. That That should do it, yeah? Yeah. That'll do it. That's that in my mind, that's enough work. Yeah. I was wrong. That's just not as you said, that's just not quite ready to sacrifice more. Or is it just of, like, can I get away with just doing this? I had I had my toe in the water. Yeah. Seeing how cold it was. Yeah. Rather than jumping in. Yeah. Once I jumped in and I was ready to jump in. All these things start to change, mm. and that's where I get the benefits. Yeah. So even though we're talking about like, oh, you can't actually reverse type two diabetes, you can control it. That's correct. But if you control it and you sustain it, like ninety nine percent of the time, because of because of what I do is normal now, I wouldn't even know I have it. No, correct. I only know I have it when I have things I don't normally have. Yes, I mean it's like we were. Matt and I were dating for a long time. I think we were even married um, before my family even saw you have a reaction to something. 
yeah. um, yep. for the first time. And even they were sort of like, what's wrong with him? <laughs> and I was like, yeah. oh, he's, he's, had, he's eaten something, it's got too much sugar in it. And, you know, it was. It, it was I remember the day. It, we hadn't worked out. Mm. Uh, we'd gone to visit my grandmother and we had had lunch there and we must have had something where I didn't think you realised because it must have been homemade how much sugar was in it. And must have been a biscuit or a cake or something like that. And it must have been packed with sugar, which is what, you know, grandmas do. <laughs> they pack their I mean baking well. with sugar. I mean well. And, and you got, I remember, you got the biggest migraine where well, you had to have a sleep before we drove home because where my grandma lived was a couple of hours from our house. Mm. And my family was... It sitting, wasn't, to be fair, though, that wasn't a migraine. It just wiped me out. Yeah. So my my family sitting there going, "What's wrong with him?" And I did tell them, and they were they were shocked because again, it was that misconception of, "Oh, I thought he didn't have that anymore." For the that's because for the most part, you can make it look like you don't. Correct. Because of what you do on a day to day basis. Yeah. But the moment you go off plan, and you go off plan to the, to a certain extent, you know about it. But you know what's fascinating is that what you're saying, Matt, about eating as a type 2 diabetic versus eating as an overweight person, that really is is you and I. Because yeah. I don't have type 2 diabetes. I never have. But I do. You do. Yep. But we have... We approach things, we, we in, approach very things in very similar ways. And this isn't just us making it up. I mean, you've studied this from... Yep. People have studied this this nutritional timing much smarter than me. Us. Uh, us, you know. So this is something that has been proven scientifically to work and then we've adopted it coming from two different starting points Mm -hmm. and we have a similar result. Yep. And so in in your case, it's really, really helped you to, you know, drop a lot of weight Mm -hmm. and look a hell of a lot different Mm. and hot. Like you say, <laughs> hitting on my own wife on my podcast. How am I going? Uh, and in my case, it is it is done the same things as done for Courtney. Though I'm not quite as pretty as Courtney, but it's also controlled type two diabetes to the point where you wouldn't think I've got it. And it's interesting that this is the same methodology and nutritional information that you teach to clients. Of course it is. And yep. how many clients currently do you have that are diabetic? One. There. Two. Two that are diagnosed, but like I said at the start of this episode, you show me an overweight person with a poor lifestyle, I will show you a pre-diabetic. Yeah. So it's, it's coming. So the philosophy there is is similar and the training methodology with those two clients versus everybody else is similar. Similar. It's the same. The 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 philosophies of the exact same. Yeah. It's it's the right it's the right just the right type, and the right amount of training, mm. with smart timing and selections on things like carbohydrates. Make them work for you. Mm. Yep. Love it. Is there any tips or anything else that you want to give before we wrap this one up? Only one. Just that if you have been diagnosed with this, you don't need to be a victim of it. Is that what you felt when you first were diagnosed? Of course, I thought life was over. Yeah, like oh shit, I've got to be, I've got to be taking this medication forever. I've got to be doing my blood sugar every day for the rest of my life. I've got to be, 
like hardcore monitoring this stuff. And on top of that, they're telling me to lose weight. Yeah. Fuck. And you got to get from 30 on the little screen down to five. Nine. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Uh, but as I've learned over time, like, yes, once you've got it, you've got it, but it doesn't have to affect you. No. You don't need to be a victim of it. So, like I said a few minutes ago, the day I was told no more medication, no more taking your blood sugar readings, one of the best days of my life mm. because it just honestly felt like the handcuffs got taken off, but I took them off myself. Mm. Does that make sense? Yeah. So, you're not, you're not stuck. Mm. If, if, you are, if you have been diagnosed and you are still required to be you know, living on this medication and, and going through the, the rigmarole of doing these fucking blood sugar readings, I would say we need to improve your lifestyle a bit more. Mm. And you might just need a bit more time. Mm. That's the biggest tip I've got. Don't be a victim. Yeah, don't, you, you, we don't need to be a victim. Mm. Um, you, can, you can work to control it. Mm. And it feels great, can I just say. Yes. Because one thing I should mention as well, uh, as I've learned through experience with this, what this has helped me do as well is actually help uh, strengthen my relationship with food mm. where because I have an understanding of type and timing etc like I'm not afraid of things yeah. that I see so many people with this disease that are terrified of yeah well I can't have I can't have that rice like you can mate just know when to have it can't have fruit okay yeah exactly it would make going out for dinner or something like that very very um like you'd get very anxious. You could get very anxious. Yeah. Where, where you know, these days, going out to dinner, no worries. Show me the menu, I'll know how to pick it apart. Yeah. No problem at all. Yeah. You know, but you, you do have to earn those benefits. They're not handed to you. No. No. You have to do the work. Yep. Speaking of do the work, we have some work for you. Mm. Come and join us at our Facebook group, the Weight Loss Podcast, colon, the Facebook group. Yes. You'll see a link to that in the description of the episode in your app. Yes. So come hang out with myself and Courtney and other like-minded people and other fans of this awesome show. Yes. Speaking of this awesome show, if you love what we do and you want to keep us ad-free and support us and show us some love, buy us a coffee. Mm. Go to buymeacoffee.com slash loss. Again, a link you can click in the app of choice that you're currently listening to. I think in the show notes page we will – I think it would be great to actually put your pictures up there, Matt, your before and afters. Yeah, sure. Just yeah. so people have a reference point of how – what 180 kilos looked like. <laughs> what what the symptoms of type 2 diabetes looked like. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So not putting those up there to – you know, parade out like, oh, how good, you know, look what look what you've done. But I think it is a visual to back up everything that you've just said. Can I disagree with you? It is too. There is no, if you if you've earned true success, you can flex now and then. I take that back. I completely agree with you. So now, actually, it will be to say, look at what I've look done. Look what I've done. Because you know what I've discovered over time. Because I used to think, right. I'm not that special. And yeah. I still do think that and still do know that. However, I have not seen many people do what I've done yeah, in no, my I think time. It's pretty special. I've seen a lot of people quit long before they have a chance to get in the same fucking universe mm. as what I've done. 
that's the biggest difference here is I just haven't quit. And because I don't quit, all these benefits start to accumulate over the years. So no, 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 no. I am going to flex. And you've put in, as you said, the hard yards because it took took what you said, you, you got off medication, what, eight years after you got diagnosed? Closer to 10. 10 years. So this wasn't a overnight, hey, I'm going to do this 12-week challenge and, <laughs> and get, get this done. No. So you, you, you're 100% correct. I was wrong. You can flex because you are 100% right. This is not, this was not an easy process for you. And one thing I will say before we, before we wrap this up, it wasn't luck. No. Oh, you're so lucky. Fuck off. No. And it had nothing to do with motivation oh. or willpower or any of the other bullshit <laughs> words that people want to use. Yeah. It got to do with patience, dedication, uh, commitment. Purpose. 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 There's a reason to do it. So hopefully you've got a lot out of this. Yes. If not, honestly, blame me because this episode was my <laughs> idea, so I'm the dickhead to come up with it. Uh, so I'll cop this one. No, I, I think people will get a lot out of this. If you have any questions or you want to know more about this or ask Matt any questions, head to the Facebook group and, and put them in there. Yeah, head to the Facebook group or just email us at podcast at theweightlosspodcast.com. Courtney, let's shut up. We will speak to you soon. Take care. Bye for now. Bye. Are you ready to share your success? Head over to our website for full access to our show notes, resources based on today's topic, and links to our Facebook group so you can share your story with our hosts and many others out there who are looking to achieve and maintain their health and fitness goals. You can find all that and more exclusively at theweightlosspodcast.com. 